0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned, attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network
3: You're listening to In The Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. In The Drink's the show that brings you the most interesting people of the beverage community. And I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. Uh, Before we get started, I'm going to give myself a little plug because it's my show and I can do that. Uh, We are taping this show over the summer, uh, this is the end of August, and we'll probably air it uh, middle of September. Uh, and I'm excited for the show. Um, but uh, I've made a little bit of news over the summer. I am uh, actually involved in a new restaurant. I'm opening a new restaurant in the former franny's space a uh, much loved restaurant by uh, myself and and many 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 other people um and i hope very much to do it uh to do it justice and be as much a restaurant for that neighborhood and of that neighborhood the restaurant will be called fausto and i'm hoping to create a southern brooklyn wine destination um this is actually something i learned recently that uh that Park Slope is actually South Brooklyn. I didn't know that. I that I, I thought that would be more considered Central Brooklyn, but no, it's considered part of South Brooklyn. Uh, so th- I hope to be a great restaurant in that neighborhood with uh, Chef Aaron Chambora, and I am excited for that. Another thing I'm excited about is today's show. Um, in the studio today, we have someone I kind of think of as a real sommelier sommelier. Uh, everyone I know looks up to him in the industry. Um, he is now the beverage director of the grill and the pool soon to open the pool or no just recently opened the pool um his name is john slover he is here in the studio and i'm so excited john wel- welcome to in the drink
4: Thank you very much, Joe. I'm very excited to be here.
3: This uh, is a great honor. And, and uh, John, thank you also. Uh, I know you were at work this morning and came in and going back to to the Seagram building. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. I, I appreciate that. My pleasure. It's no problem at all. I imagine it's a busy time for you uh, with a newly minted three-star review. Congratulations. Thank you very much.
4: Yeah, we were super psyched about that.
3: Uh, I, I dined recently, uh, and I can say it's, it's well-deserved and, it, it, and more so. It was a, a, just a fun theatrical experience uh, our our server or captain uh it was martin Gobi. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah who uh to give you an idea of the kind of talent working at this place yeah. martin had been uh, gm and director of operations of franny's and and their other restaurant and he was
4: serving i mean it's amazing he, he was a captain at babo in like 99 wow. 2000 he's been around
3: he is the man yeah another uh brooklyn uh local resident i believe. Uh, yep. To actually, yeah, we we also live close by in Brooklyn. Uh, I realize that there's a lot of wine industry people. I know, I know, in our neighborhood, right.
4: we could put together a kick-ass tasting group. We really,
3: if we yeah. had the time, word, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, time, I guess, uh, <laughs> to do it, uh, yeah. we could do
4: it. Yeah, we have the 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 willingness and the wine.
3: Yeah. We don't have the time. Yeah. Uh, but there really aren't, like, a ton of places to, to drink. Like, where are you going to go and drink a great wine? Like, anything that you have on your amazing list. Yeah. Like, where could you find tough. any of those wines by, by where we live?
4: I mean, I have yet to go to Beasts and Bottles, but it's on oh, my yeah. list to go to. And I I don't know that that – I haven't looked at the wine list. I don't know if it goes back far in vintages, but it certainly has a lot of, uh, a lot of excellent producers and excellent wines. Uh, I looked at it online a little while ago. Yeah. And then um, you could always make the pilgrimage to uh, Dato Tommaso in Diker Heights.
3: <laughs> you know what a legendary place yeah. I've actually
4: never been, but I've heard of yeah.
3: people like drink, drinking incredible it's wine amazing, for yeah. a low price. Is it has it been like well picked over at this it, point? It, or? it
4: has been, um, but there is still a ton of a ton of stuff. Can
3: you can you remember like a recent uh, or a bottle that you are like oh my god because like what yeah. what a great you know what a great feeling? Uh, it's something that. Uh, you know, I think they did well uh, at at like Marta and, and Maelino, mm-hmm. um yeah. finding wines that people who mm-hmm. know and love wine uh, and know what maybe they cost in other places. Like, wow, that is that's yeah. so low. I wasn't planning on spending one hundred fifty dollars, but right. I'm going to do it because yeah. that is that's oh. like
4: fifteen hundred bucks somewhere else. Yeah. Something <laughs>
3: yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, do you yeah, remember that. any like wine experiences like that? Dot Tomas, like Tons, particular yeah. wines?
4: Like, I mean, uh, I mean, we're talking about. 13, 14 years ago, um, friends and I drank a bunch of 68 Master Berdino Tarazzi Reserva and different single vineyard 68s. Um, we've drunk a ton of Jacosa wow. Red Label 78 one. and 82, 82 Gaia, sorry, San Lorenzo.
3: Oh, it sounds like, so this isn't even like no, accidental. Like this person is like, I'm just going to buy the big names. Like they actually know what they're doing. Oh, they yeah, like
4: ac- absolutely. Uh, actually, I remember we, we found a bottle of. Uh, 78 uh, Grand Cru white Burgundy in the cellar there. I forget. I forget the producer. Uh, a good producer. And as Tommaso was opening it, he said, uh, "You know, I really wish this was '79, not '78, because '78 is great for reds, but '79 is great for whites." And uh, so it just shows, you know, there we were, like a group of people from crew and from, uh, you know, uh, you know being being schooled by this uh you know amazing you know older uh, italian american guy from Diker heights about uh you know the differences the fine nuances of differences between uh white and red vintages in and Burg- old burgundy is hysterical
3: that's amazing yeah. that's amazing yeah. Yeah. and I, from from what i understand that for a while manducati's had a similar situation Same, yeah yeah yeah. Like- yeah
4: yeah um i haven't been to manducati's since then i've been to da tomaso since then um but, uh, I had a bunch of really terrible meals at Manducati's. <laughs> maybe one good one, but like the food was to me sort of a a joke compared to how great the mm-hmm. the wine mm-hmm. experiences were so I, I never really went back, but they may yeah. still have a lot of stuff, who knows
3: yeah, and yeah. At, at that point, you can just buy the bottle retail and it would you yeah know, exactly and, and make yeah. better food at home and it's not it's not worth it yeah um, but
4: I, I do remember having at Manducati's a, a bottle of seventy eight uh Barolo from Fontana Freda, and it was $40. No. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. At that point, it doesn't matter who made it or, or what it's like. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a great experience.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Um, okay. I do want to ask you all about the opening, and uh, I'm just really excited for for, for you, for this restaurant, for New York, and all of us who, who can dine there. Um, but we actually got a listener question. And yeah. Um that doesn't happen too often, to be frank. And uh maybe that's because I never tell you guys how to get in touch. And so if you ever want to email me, um you can email me at Joe at AnonaWine, A-N-N-O-N-A-Wine dot com. Uh, uh my hobby, it's something I do in, the, in my free time. Um but email me at Joe at AnonaWine, I will respond. And uh if you know if it's a good question, uh I, you know we'll answer it we 'll answer it on the show and I think this is a, a good question it 's an interesting question and I assume it's something that uh, other people who especially people who are kind of like tuned into social media and Instagram and following some some um might might wonder as well um, okay uh, the the question is from David Walsh uh, that, who's based out of San Diego and uh, David writes that it appears to me that the wine industry, and Soms in particular, are largely driven by fashion, trend, and hype. Fashionable right now are the wines from the Jura, orange wines, grower champagne, etc. While there are thousands of other wines in areas that make even better wines that have either not been discovered or people have become bored of, it seems to me that the Psalm community is sometimes a little lemming-like and that when the psalm with the loudest voice discovers a wine or a region the trend hype and fashion begins and the industry follows uh well i understand that the wine industry is sales driven do we not risk missing out on valuable wine experiences um so there's a lot to kind of unpack from that yeah there's a lot yeah uh and uh, but i kind of wonder what your thoughts are in general i mean i know you've you've you know, you've uh, been in the industry in New York since 2000 or so. You're part of the yeah. the you're the opening beverage director at at Blue Hill, right. uh, which is amazing. I want I would love to know more about that. Sure. Um, so I, I imagine you've seen the industry through various uh, phases. Um, availability of certain wines kind of coming right. and going right. um, how, how does that kind of struck you in, in strike you in general this idea that that there's uh people are driven by like what 's trendy and, and hype and, and that sort of thing
4: well I guess um, I think there's i mean i'm mixed I have a mixed reaction to that comment slash question um, because i I've thought the same things before you know when when you're looking at uh through Instagram, um the same wines and kinds of wine pop up uh, among the sort of wine intelligentsia. They keep you know, showing pictures yeah. of uh, and yeah, over and wide and Right. And but numbers, I mean also yeah. like you know, you could pick some producers in the Northern Rhone, you could pick mm-hmm. Barolo producers, you could pick um I'm sure a I'm guilty of, of this as yeah, well. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But um The fact is that uh, in the in in the in the sixty seconds that someone is out there Instagramming a picture of of something that they're drinking that they like maybe they want to lock into this community feeling like hey this is a cool wine and look I'm drinking it too. Meanwhile, they probably have uh, you know twenty three hours and fifty nine minutes in the rest of their day where they're doing other things and probably exploring other wines that maybe they don't feel like Instagramming. So I I I would say that. if if you're looking through uh, the view of of Instagram, yeah, there's a lot of like very narrow sort of trendy wines that are that are that are out there that our sommeliers are excited about. But um, you know, I think I think there would have to be a better kind of analysis of what their wine lists are like. Mm-hmm. Those sommeliers and those wine directors, are, do they only have trendy wines in their wine list? I doubt it. And uh, are there other wines besides these trendy wines that that turn them on? And probably yes. And I'm sure that there are some some sommeliers that are guilty of only um, following what other people think are cool and are. I mean, it's. Do you feel
3: that the the trendy wines are uh, wines that? you know, for the most part are very high quality wines that Absolutely, just a bunch yeah. of Salonis have. To, okay, sure, it's not wines that are trendy. No, no, of course not. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I there's, mean, so there's a reason that they're trendy. Uh, yeah, because
4: so they're, you know, on the whole, they're great. I mean, if you look at like, I mean, I think Dovisata is pretty trendy and Raveno's mm-hmm. is pretty, are pretty trendy, meaning people, all the wine buyers, they don't want to buy those wines. They're great wines. Um, it gets a little bit more confusing when you're, Talking about someone like Auvernois. Um, it's almost impossible to buy. That's very, very possible hard. to buy, and yeah. and, and and some people love them, some people hate them. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who really hates Dovisat, You know, no, <laughs> I would not <laughs> want know. to dine with that yeah. person. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 they would not be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I just I, I just drank a bottle of uh, I forget what it was. I I, I sort of missed the the Jura. Um, trend. Although I, I, I had some wines at Blue Hill in two in thousand, I had some Vigneron and I had some other things. I was I, I had a Pulsard rose by the glass, like a light colored Pulsard by the mm-hmm. glass at, at Blue Hill. Um, mainly just on. because I was exploring wine and I, I found a wine that I really liked a lot, and so I poured it by the glass. Or a Jone went well with a, a dish that Dan Barber and Alex Urania made, and so mm-hmm. I bought that. And you know, I, I was always turned on by things that were off kilter, off the beaten track, and like that. Um, now they're not off the, I mean, they're still off the beaten track, but, but, uh, obviously much more central, but in any case, it's, a, it's a little bit more, um, you can't deny that over, and, and other and producers are making incredibly high quality wine. They're just very, very individual and maybe don't have mass appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit more confusing, but, but yeah, I think, I think there's a huge overlap between what's quote unquote trendy. And what's also incredibly high quality, incredibly well made, uh, long lived, and, and really intellectually stimulating yeah. and, and pleasurable as well.
3: And one of the, the other things that's kind of tied up in that in that question is this idea that because sommeliers are uh, posting oftentimes similar wines, mm-hmm. um, that's dictating what other people are, are drinking. And sure, yeah. I I would. Something I, I thought about is like there, when it comes to somebody's posting on Instagram, there really isn't so much a like Robert Parker effect other than maybe Raj Parr. Right? If Raj yeah. Parr posts something, then yeah, everyone's going mean, people gonna, go after it. People yeah. go after yeah. it. Right? Yeah. I don't know how many other like other people there are who like have that kind of like sway with, with Instagram.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I think in, there's little pockets, but yeah, Raj has that has has pretty big reach. Yeah. he has long arms <laughs> that Rajpar. yeah no i know what you mean um yeah listen I, you know i i i have I, my my dirty little secret is i don't really drink that much <laughs> i taste a bunch but i don't really drink that much and um consequently you know i, I haven't ta- a lot of the wines that uh, that we're talking about mm-hmm. i haven't actually tasted you know, I haven't, I haven't, I maybe tasted here and there, but I haven't really sat down and drunk a bottle of and wine a long time. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's interesting yeah. that happens
3: a lot with, yeah. you know, with us in the industry too, is that maybe you get to taste like an ounce. I think like you, you work the La Palais. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, every year. And then, and, and I've done it for the last six years right. or so. And we see each other there. I get to maybe taste like a half ounce or an ounce. of Right. And then you have yeah, to yeah.
4: make a judgment and, and yeah. And, and and hopefully you know form an opinion about yeah. something.
3: Have I had this yeah. great wine before? I I guess, but yeah. like that's not really. It's not the same as sitting down for a bottle right. or, really like at least when a you glass. or at least a glass. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like when you really learn wine, you or, or a a particular wine. So if you've had it a couple of times, right, right, with different yeah. food, can, different family, right, and
4: hopefully over some like with some time passing between. Why? I mean, that's the whole thing. Wine is something that ages, yeah. and it ages slowly on its own schedule. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't like bend to what we want it to be, and uh, possibly like one of the one of the dangers of this, you know, quote unquote trendiness, is um, it accelerates the consumption of wines that should probably be drunk more slowly. Mm-hmm. Possibly, who knows? Mm-hmm. But, um, anyways, it, it was an interesting comment that the that the listener made for sure yeah that is interesting i'd love to hear i mean i don't have time to sit down with this person or or whatever but it would be interesting to to get a list from that person of the wines and the regions that they think are getting short shrift Mm -hmm. um that because they're not trendy um and and to like taste them with 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 that person um to see like yeah okay this is you know because everyone's palate's different, and maybe like a region that they like, I don't like, or you know, who knows. It, it, it'd be interesting to like it's a little bit cynical to comment, um, but it, I feel like it wouldn't be cynical if he or she put forward uh, suggestions for what they think are getting short shrift and what they think are quality that are being overlooked because they're not trendy. All right, David, so David fo- Walsh, if you're up. out there, yeah. you can
3: send me a follow-up <laughs> yeah. email, and I'll discuss it with John at some point, hopefully yeah. over... Uh, you a know, bottle of, over in a a bottle of over <laughs> And We will Instagram <laughs> yeah. d- d- and hashtag up. Yeah. Uh, and, and you you mentioned that I, I know that that drinking wine with some age is something that you that you like to do. I, I yeah. had a, a Bourgogne Blanc at at the grill. It was like a 2010 Bourgogne Blanc. Oh yeah, and yeah. I, yeah. So, just yeah. buying stuff like that right. for Simple me stuff. is yeah. uh, amazing, right? Yeah. Like something that that is uh, you know affordable. I can't I, I can't afford Grand Cru white Burgundy from 2010, but right. uh, and you usually see people having like a Bourgogne blog that's 2015 or right. coming up on 16s right. or something like that. So that that's right. really cool. How do you? I, I know that's something that you've that you've want you've been interested in in a long right. time, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. from I From the, from the get go, I, I started learning about wine in '96, and it, mm-hmm. it didn't take me but a few months to. F- discover I had an affinity for older wines, or at least an interest. And then I started tasting and I and I discovered that I preferred uh, older wine to young wine. Although actually recently I've gone back to preferring younger wine and not older wine, but whatever, y- you know, it's like you go back and forth over the years. But um, yeah, I mean, one of the most interesting things about wine that I learned from the beginning and, and all along through my career is how wines age and, and how mm-hmm. they develop uh, more subtlety and more nuance as they age and, and sort of um, become more harmonized and, and turn into something else that's that's greater than, than the sum of its parts. When they're young, you, you taste the structure and you taste the different things that are out of joint with each other. Um, and over time, all those pieces come together and form a sort of harmony of, of balance. And I, I think that's interesting and fascinating one of the most stimulating things and one of the most pleasurable things about about wine. Um, and it doesn't have to be Grand Cru, like you're saying. Um, it's Wines have uh, their primary, secondary, and tertiary as they age. So something like Chave Hermitage, that 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 uh, lifespan takes place over 30 years. Mm-hmm. But a Bourgogne Blanc, that lifespan takes place over 5 or 7 or 10 years. Um, so you, you you can get a tertiary wine that's not super expensive. Um, it may not reach the heights of greatness that Chauve Hermitage does or mm-hmm. or, or a Grand Cru white Burgundy, um, but it doesn't it doesn't have to. Has you know. has it become easier or more difficult to find
3: these sort of lesser I mean lesser not wines, but like less. Uh, let's call I don't know let's, uh, let's exalted. exalted wines with some age on it I mean because that, that's not stuff that you can like call up your distributor right right but maybe I remember when we opened Al-Anima, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to get a, a bunch of you know like simple like Barbera with 10 years of age right, on it great, and yeah. pour that by the glass and that was amazing I loved that yeah. uh, do you
4: get that locally or, or, or you got it from a distributor from or? a distributor yeah, actually right. yeah, yeah. No, you, it's like
3: how do you, how do you right. has that become easier for you to, to find or uh, harder you know, over the years or
4: I, I think um, developing good relationships with sales reps and, and, and wholesalers and, and and also traveling to wine regions and developing relationships with growers mm-hmm. um, can facilitate um having those things a little bit more available than, than not. It's a, it's a little bit of an active process. So when I, when I started at Blue Hill, for example, way back when I, you know, uh, I mean, I literally had no idea what I was doing. I still knew that I liked older wines. And so I, every sales rep that I met and started to deal with, I said, if you have anything in your book that has some bottle age, even if it's a few years, let me know. Mm-hmm. So I had them all working, looking for those things. Um, cool. And managed to find a really great uh, Copertino Rosso Reserva with about seven years of bottle age that I, it was cheap. And I poured it by the glass and it was delicious. And, and actually, I, I, I remember tasting that same wine from the current release um, at a tasting around that time. And it was sort of unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like just seven years, you know, a few years really softens the edges and, and, you know, it's
3: strange that the uh, 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 say wine, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I, they're, there's a couple of producers that release them with some age to it, I think right. like Taurino and Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 Uh, right. is that It was the Taurino. It wasn't, no, it was it was the Cooperativo. The, the Cooperativo, right. Um, and for yeah. some reason, like I don't know why, but those wines are they're never meant to be I think in, in their youth they're they're just so like jammy and plummy right. and right. but with some age to it, they're beautiful. They're yeah.
4: beautiful. Yeah. Really cool wines. They turn into like the the fruit gets sweet, but not in like a not in like a cloying way, but mm-hmm. just you know sort of mellows out and gets broad and sweet and 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 really attractive you know Uh, i love that
3: so what was your are there any wines from the original wine list well first what was your first wine list at at blue hill like and then are there uh are there wines that you know you've every wine list you've been on like uh, you've been part of you like you always have that on because that's something that you feel so strongly about you love those wines
4: so much um it's a good question um well the first part is that uh at Blue Hill, um, I was able to kind of do exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, in other words, no one was telling me I had to have this wine or I had to have that wine. Um, and, and the trends back then were very different than now. Um, there was a lot. I mean, there's still it, there's still a mass market for like uh, big, oaky, you know, tropical California Chardonnay and and and, you know, big... You know, fruit bomb Cabernets and other Cal- California wines and modern style wines, um, and and I guess I, I I wanted to be a little bit um, against the trend and and so I I think I opened with a list of a hundred wines and I think I had one or two California Reds and maybe one California white and that was it. Um, and it was partly because I wanted to avoid I wanted to make a point of avoiding things that were. Um, that people thought you had to have to have a wine list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also it was that I was tasting the food with uh, Dan and Alex. Alex Serrano was the original uh, uh, chef de cuisine or executive chef. And um, the food was was very light. Uh, uh, they didn't use cream and butter. Um, you know, the food tended to have higher levels of acidity, um, you know, very clean, f- simple flavors, very intense flavors. And so, I mean, I just intuitively knew that big wines wouldn't really work well with the food, so I was picking you know lighter style wines with more acidity and less oak and less alcohol and and like that and And um, those happened to be the wines that I really love, um, which I wasn't completely articulated in my head at the time, but you know was sort of more instinctual and now um, those are the kinds of wines that I gravitate towards right. Um, and I think you see a lot of the sommelier community, at least here in New York, right? Hey, but
3: yeah, the sommelier community in, in a lot of places like sort of gravitate right. towards those low alcohol, for more US sure, yeah.
4: wines, right? Of course, right? Yeah, no, and, and and I mean that's that's kind of a philosophical process, you mm-hmm. know. That that that's but it's
3: something that happened organically for you, in a way. You're like, I, yeah, I, I, I realize think, yeah. that these yeah. are, you know, it it it's now it seems like commonplace. Like people, yeah, it could be, people, yeah. it's like. Yeah. Uh, Common knowledge that right. that those wines are better. If you have a very high alcohol wine with a lot of oak, it's you can't. It's just tougher to enjoy that. Right. With, with well, it's food. a limited yeah. kind
4: of food that you can have with that. Yeah. Um, well, and now I'm like you know um, buying a lot of big you know oaky tannic you know high alcohol wines for the grill because we have you know clientele would be interested was, in that, yeah. well not just that it's it's a it's a chop house oh, it's
3: a chop house that's right yeah, yeah. so
4: we, we we sell a ton of uh, prime rib we sell oh yeah a lot of uh, you know ribeyes and strip steaks and you know i don't think yeah. i would ever had prime rib before so i have no yeah. like yeah. roast beef
3: it's but and but you just give the little Very the bone as well it is yeah. spectacular right uh, but that's not even my order. That's my girlfriend's parents ordered that. Okay. And I had the uh, Guinea Hen Claiborne, right? Which, I mean, what yeah. a fantastic dish! And yeah. like, what you can have so many like fun
4: wine pairing yeah. opportunities. Yeah. With that Yeah, Rhone dish. would be great with that. North yeah. or south? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of because uh, y- yeah, you could do <clears throat> you-, you could do even like a, a slightly more tannic, uh, more powerful style of red Burgundy like Jevry or Pomard or, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you could do New World. I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of places to go with And that. could
3: you maybe Azura with that also? Or Azura, yeah. that exactly. would, be, would be really good. <laughs> um, OK, yeah. so then after after your time at Blue Hill, uh, you spent some time. Uh, you didn't go very far, like geographically, actually. No, no, not at you, all.
4: <laughs> like, <laughs> it's on one side of Washington Square Park or the other. <laughs>
3: yeah. So, <laughs> um, so you went over to 24 Fifth Avenue. Right. Right, I uh, worked at a couple of restaurants in that space. Yes, and yes. you took a step step back, right, from being a wine director to being a sommelier. What, what was that like?
4: Well, you know, or is, be, that, is that accurate? A, I mean, yeah. it's on paper, it's accurate, but uh, but I went from being the wine director of uh, you know with a hundred bottle wine list and um, and a, a one man operation of those, I didn't have a team of sommeliers or anything mm-hmm. like that, um, to being a sommelier in a team of three or four but with 2,000 wines. Wow. Um, I think maybe we, we opened Washington Park with 1,000 wines and grew it to 2,000 wines. And then we closed Washington Park, renovated, um, and uh, brought in all the wine that we had been buying that we didn't have time to put on the wine list. And we opened Crew with 4,000 wines. So in, in the seven months between restaurants, we added 2,000 selections. Um, obviously, we were doing a lot of buying
3: <laughs> yeah i remember so. <laughs> the crew i mean i went to nyu and couldn't barely afford anything there but you guys the, the hospitality i don't know if people realize like you guys were really great and there was a little bar area and sometimes i would yeah. go in with my friends and yeah. um you know you would be able to find some remember drinking like off vintage bartolo mascarello like yeah, 93 yeah. bartolo mascarello yeah, 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 that was that. actually like it really was good, a stretch right? and really yeah. good yep. uh, and stuff like that yeah yeah um but but 4,000 I remember there was Two, two, two wine book, lists A white two book, book And a red
4: book Yeah it's <laughs> crazy and, and, and like Half of it was burgundy So we had 2,000 selections Of white and red burgundy
3: Yeah Um you can't like you can't possibly know all of the wines, right? Is that is it impossible at that point to know? Kind of, yeah. I or mean, do you like? How do you? Well, how do you it depends it? on
4: what you mean by know. I mean, if yeah. if if you want to know all about the 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 winery, the history of the domain, the the, the name of the winemaker, like mm-hmm. the their vinification process and all. Yeah, it's it's impossible to know everything about every wine, but um, but you know we. But as you, can know enough to as make you go, yeah, you have a sense right? of styles. Mm-hmm. You have a sense of of climate and what the kind, of, what you know.
3: And there are a lot of verticals, I imagine. So
4: at crew, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we had yes. two thousand selections of Burgundy, but we also had ten pages of Napa Cabernet. We had you know a huge selection of Gigal Lalas La and and other Northern Rhones. I mean, we had a huge selection of Rias. I mean, mm-hmm. the buying back then is was much easier, you know. It's it's a totally different ball game now, and,
3: and Is, you're saying that because anything that you wanted you could you could pretty much get and yeah, things and, weren't like allocated
4: it, like they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 um, there was less competition. There's there's since o, we we opened crew in o four, um, and since then the collector community, people who wealthy individuals who are interested in collecting and buying wines, mm-hmm. has grown dramatically. So there was less competition at auction then. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's, you know, whatever, you know, there's more people buying the same kinds of wines. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we, we one time we bought three cases of 78 Rias. Now I see a bottle, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of one bottle of 78 Rias here and there. Um, and it's leaking and the cork is pushed out. And, you know, it's like not something you really want to touch. <laughs> Three cases of 78 Rias show up at the door. Wow. Yeah. There was someone who was selling, uh, Robert Chatterton was selling uh, Gonon back then.
3: Was he really? I didn't realize that. We used to take yeah.
4: five case drops of 89 and 90 Gonon Saint Joseph. Oh my God.
3: For nothing. God. You know,
4: $27 a bottle or something stupid. Oh like my that. God. It was on the list for, I think the 89 was on the list for 90 bucks and, or 80 bucks. That
3: seems like a wine. It's probably. To blame Raj Par, but like that seems like a wine that yeah. uh, just in the last couple. Blame of years.
4: Patrick Cappiello on Patrick Capiello <laughs> on
3: going on. Okay. Oh yeah, he's shout another shout out one. to Patrick. <laughs> he's another right. one, I guess, who can like really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it feels. It seems like in the last like three years or something. Sure. Uh, and, and and again to our, our point before, yeah. it's a truly great wine.
4: Oh, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And it's, yeah. it's worth that. Right.
3: That's like lives up to the hype and still a good value even at the newly inflated price it's it's now
4: broken the 60 dollar barrier you know you can't buy it retail for less than 60 bucks anymore and even more than that i've seen it offered for higher than that
3: yeah but still Um, compared to some of you know our favorite burgundies or yeah other great wines in the world
4: it'll be a value it'll still be a value up to like 80 bucks and then it'll still be worth buying you know it's it's a really good wine It's super authentic Jean, jean gonneau and and uh and uh, I guess it's Pierre is his brother. Mm-hmm. They're like incredible winemakers and, and, and vineyard managers, uh, insanely careful in the vineyard, insanely, you know, detail-oriented. And, um, you know, do they have the greatest of the great terroir? No. But they're making incredible wine to its potential from from a really, really good terroir. It'd be scary if they had, uh, you know, vines in Bessard on Hermitage or or, or you know... Something in Cote Roti, it's scary to see what they would make. Wow. You know? but, uh, we need
3: to, like, come up with a to
4: I mean, who knows? Maybe they wouldn't really like it. Maybe they're very yeah. at home where they are and, you know, they're not uh, striving to make Hermitage or Cote Roti. But for what, for what they make in Saint-Joseph, it's, like, mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Yeah,
3: I, so. I think so. That was a that was a, a, a special time uh, that that you were at, uh, you're at you're at crew. I mean, what what what's some some of your takeaways from that experience there? I, I imagine you tasted some of the like greatest wines in the world. Yeah. In fact, I know there was an event there that happened that was called the greatest wines of the century. Or oh something yeah, yeah, like
4: yeah, that. yeah 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 yeah. Was it the hundred best wines? Yeah,
3: hundred best wines yeah. of the century. I remember drooling and yeah, thinking yeah. about uh, what was right yeah what, what did, did you did you see
4: a, the list of, of i mean how do you know about that you just saw like a post did uh i don't like remember. doug barzillet public i think a,
3: when it was when it was happening I, I remember there was some like promotion i don't right, know how right, right, and, you right. know i was working yeah. in the industry and i think it was like twenty five thousand dollars a ticket or something yeah. absurd that yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine having that much no, money at ridiculous. a time and yeah you know, uh,
4: yeah no no it was it was amazing yeah i mean the those that dinner and and we did a lot of of uh, wine dinners for for collectors mm-hmm. and and, uh, and um, I guess a takeaway is is that it's a very very special and very rare. I mean, back then it didn't seem so rare, but now looking back, like I kind of wish I'd taken better notes. You know, yeah, I wish I had like, you know kept a better log of, of those things. Of everything you tasted yeah. and what you... Yeah, right. And every now and then I come... Ac- like, I'm going through storage, I'll come across a box with, like, printouts of, of the wines we were serving. And, like, I remember a dinner we did for a group of collectors where the youngest wines were from 1945. <laughs> and the oldest wines were from, like, 1892 or even older. It was maybe 1870 Red Burgundy or something. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but... Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's... it's uh, it's you know at the time you take things for granted. It's like this is going to go on forever, and it's not, you know. And now it's like really hard to have those experiences, and, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those wines are concentrated in in fewer and fewer cellars, and 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 uh, so yeah. I wish I'd taken better notes and and recorded all that stuff somehow much better. Yeah. So
3: it makes me think uh, I, another uh, wine destination. Uh, I've never been to. Uh, it makes me think of Burn Steakhouse. Yeah, I've never been, been there a,
4: either. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've always wanted to go. I've always wanted to go yeah. too. Uh, cool. A place
3: with thousands of selections, yeah. and, and they've kept them around for a long time, right. and, and some good some good values. Right. Um, so then, uh, sometime after that, I don't know if I'm missing if I'm my, missing anything in the chronology. Right. You made the trip all the way down to Houston Street.
4: Yeah, to bar <laughs> that's right, Henry. that's right. Like, you traveled so, three blocks. Three but, blocks uh, instead of one. Uh, uh, meanwhile, I lived on Thompson between Bleecker and Houston. You lived on Thompson between Bleecker yeah, and Houston. So, so all through that, I was like two blocks away from work all the time.
3: Did you meet your wife when she was working at Lupa? I
4: did, actually, yes. It's, it's, it's yes. amazing,
3: yeah, who's yeah. also a lovely uh, yes. and uh, talented and amazing
4: yes. person. Who, who worked with your partner, actually. Uh, Aaron.
3: She worked with Aaron.
4: Yeah. So she, uh-huh. uh, I think when Aaron was uh, Cruz's sous chef at Lupa, Shin was a sommelier at Lupa? Yes. Yeah.
3: I kind of think, I yeah. said, you're a sommelier, sommelier. I feel like Cruz is a chef, chef. Like yeah, all yeah, chefs yeah, yeah. love yeah, yeah, Cruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Aaron, like, that's like yeah. her mentor. In a, you know, she, I think she, she followed him to three different
4: kitchens oh, so cool. Mercer awesome.
3: Kitchen, Lupa, and Del Posto. Very cool.
4: Awesome. That's very I'm super cool. psyched yeah. for Fausto mm-hmm. to open. I can't wait to. Oh, thank you. Yeah.
3: Thank you. I can't wait to have you in. Cool. Uh, awesome. Hopefully, you'll, it'll
4: be one of the days where you're, you're drinking wine and
3: yeah. <laughs> can dispel the myth that you... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, at Bar Henry, yeah. you, you did a uh, a really uh, cool thing that the city, I, I don't think I had seen before, where right. you allowed people to order a half bottle of mm-hmm. any full bottle that was... Right. And exactly. and it's now been adopted at Charlie Bird and Pasquale Jones perhaps as yep. well and they give you the shout out on, on yep. the list, which I think is very cool. Very cool, yes. I think like, you know, uh, you see that more with cocktails these days too, where people like they're saying, Hey listen, this idea is from someone else and I'm gonna yeah. give them the credit for it. And, right, right, and I right, think right. that's super cool that, that they're right. doing that. <laughs> Um, how did, do you remember like the thought process, like coming, like, is it something that yeah. you do again? Uh, it seems like to me, yeah. I, I think that's a brilliant idea.
4: Yeah. It worked really well at bar Henry. I did it at Chiano as well, where it also worked really, really well. Um, I actively don't want to do it at, at the grill in the pool just because it's a much bigger uh, yeah. operation. But yeah, I mean, basically, um, I just pulled together a couple of bits of things that I had heard from people before. Um, you know, uh, uh, actually, I think it was Dan Lerner from Skernick mm-hmm. who mentioned that uh, maybe it was that uh, one night he was at at, at Crewe and uh, I offered to serve him a half bottle of wine and he mentioned that... Uh, he used to be. He had been a sommelier before. And that you know, he did that occasionally for guests. It's just something you do occasionally for someone special.
3: Yeah, yeah, um, maybe it's a yeah. table of two, and they want to have like right. one bottle of wine. Maybe right. they want to have a bottle of red. Right. And to start, you have like a glass of white. But right. they would actually drink something better if they could have exactly a bottle, right? right. Exactly. Then, then so, you know the five or four wines over
4: near white by the glass list. Exactly. So I, I, you know, it's a little anecdotal things like that, and then. Separately, when we were opening um, Bar Henry, um, I was thinking about what I what I thought a wine bar should be about, um, and it seemed obvious to me that guests should have an opportunity to taste a lot of different things, and we we shouldn't force people to like learn you know something mm-hmm. if they didn't want to learn anything they just come in and order a glass of wine and sit and have a chat, but um, if someone wanted to learn something or do some kind of comparative tasting they should be able to to do that if they wanted and so then i think most wine bars answer to that is to have a lot of stuff by the glass but i always felt that that would lead to a lot of waste and i didn't Mm -hmm. really want to do that um and i didn't want to have a crouvenay system and this is before the coravan and and yeah i was
3: thinking about that recently it was coming i was going to ask i wanted to ask you about this half bottle thing yeah and i think now what a lot of people do is they they coravan it Right. Yeah. And so that other half Cheating. bottle is good. <laughs> what did, yeah. you put, I, I remember you put it on the chalkboard.
4: Yeah. So, right? yeah, we had we had big glass mirrors in the bar at the Bar Henry and I bought wax pencils, white wax pencils. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if I served a half bottle of something, there would then be two glasses available to sell and I'd go and write it with the wax pencil on the And then mirror. so you could
3: order one glass only. Yeah, so then it would That's be two great. glasses
4: of this and it's this much a glass. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it caught on to the point where people would come down the stairs. It was, it was subterranean. they come down the stairs into the bar and go right to the mirror and see what was open. That's great. And, you know, be like, I'll have a glass of that. Um, so, yeah. So, so basically, I wanted to be able to, like, uh, allow people to taste a lot of different stuff if they wanted and um, and not just, like, inexpensive stuff. So, so the... There were about 150 wines that were like that, where you could order half. And uh, I want to say they went up to like 180 bucks a bottle or 150 bucks a bottle or something like that. Great. So you get a half of one of those for $75. Um, Did you end up pouring out a lot of wine at the end of the night? Not when I was there. No. (laughs) You know, I I, I was... The whole game was... You didn't pour it out because you drank it at the end of the night. Yeah. I I drank a little bit, for sure. (laughs) But the whole game was... You know competitively like sell Gotta this one yeah yeah so have you
3: been to a wine bar called isola in milan i have not do no. you know of it do you know this place i've heard of it but i don't you would yeah. love it oh, yeah. i think you would i yeah. love it yeah. uh, i went uh a few months ago with uh, with my girlfriend yeah. uh it is just an it's a, a great wine bar they have every bottle of wine maybe my only criticism is that the you know, all the bottles are out and not on like perfect temperature control. They have right. all these great bottles of wine yeah. out, and anything that you want, yeah, you can pull it and get a glass. Okay, you can like bring the cool. bottle to the you know, like, and they'll open it up for you, awesome. and they'll pour a glass. Very nice. And the prices are super low.
4: And then what do they do with the rest?
3: They try to sell it to. I see. So they do the
4: yeah, same. Yeah. Right. I
3: mean, uh, you know, uh, me like I would just go and get them, but a lot of what I could tell the regulars who are going there speak to the bartenders, like, what do you have? Like, what should I drink? And then they're trying to actively... And there's, like, four people working behind this bar, and they do aperitivo, which generally, you know, I, I was excited about aperitivo as a college student. Right. And then as I grew up, and... I was like, you know what? I'm willing to pay for food that's better yeah, than, yeah, 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 than yeah. the crappy food. Yeah. Uh, but they actually have good, like, uh, you know, like organic, like cool awesome. th- ingredients that you don't see and, and stuff like that. Nice. Anyway. Sounds ideal. It's like a nice <laughs> A glass of wine, place. whatever you
4: want, and get some good food.
3: Yeah. And the yeah. food's included in the glass of wine. Awesome. We drank uh, this wine, Lino Maga, Barbar Carlo. I don't know if you're familiar Never with it. it no? Uh, it's from right outside of Milan, uh, 1996, for 16 euro a glass. It's like amazing. Yeah. Uh, I should take, I should, we should take a break right now. We're going to take okay. just a very, very quick break. Uh, we'll be back with John Slover, the beverage director from the Grill and the Pool, and uh, right after this, we'll talk
1: about those. Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of InTheDrink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's master distiller says it's just right. Michter's cost be damned, taste is everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said, it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit mictors.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's.
3: All right, we're back with John Slover, the beverage director of The Pool, The Grill, and the Lobster Club also. The Lobster Club, um, you know, I, like I said I had just this fantastically fun and delicious meal at at the grill, and I can't wait for the pool to open. Mm-hmm. But I don't know anything about the Lobster Club. Sure. Uh, can you? I, I, I love lobster. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it sounds it sounds
4: cool. What, I wonder if we're going to serve lobster. I don't even know. If we're. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, um, the the uh, I'm sure many people know this, but the backstory of the place is that in in 1959 restaurant associates um who were these very theatrical um restaurant uh, restaurateurs, tours is joe baum's company yeah exactly yeah. um uh, opened uh the four seasons restaurant in the seagram the newly built seagram's building which was a um, revolutionary modern beautiful elegant building in um, in midtown it was the first of its kind um, actually, I guess Lever House was open the year before, was built the year before. But, um, and uh, Mies van der Rohe, who was um, from the Bauhaus School of Architecture, designed, was the architect on, on the Se- Sears Building. Philip Johnson, who's a famous architect, was hired um, to design the interior spaces of the restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and the result are... Basically, the 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 most beautiful, uh, most um, elegant, and most incredible interior restaurant spaces that I've ever seen, and um, I think are the only. It's the only landmarked interior space, landmarked uh, restaurant in the, in the city, possibly in the country, um, and uh, they're they're treasures, really. So when 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 major food group partnered up with. Um, the owner of the Seagram's building. Um, the Landmark Commission obviously dictated what, what they could and couldn't do, but in any, forget about that. They decided early on not to change anything, um, regardless of that, but just to take everything out, clean it, and put it back the way it was. A couple of minor um, changes here and there. There was a Picasso tapestry in the hallway between the restaurants. That was donated to the New York Historical Society, and they hired a sculptor to, to um, make this incredible organic um, sculpture that includes plants for that hallway. It's beautiful. Um, so, uh, and uh, one of the other thing they did was they took back um, what used to be called the Brasserie, which was a restaurant um, downstairs that was entered on uh, from 53rd Street. Um, it originally was owned by restaurant associates. Over the years, it, it uh, um, became separately owned by different operators. So, mm-hmm. Um, in the latter stages of the Four Seasons tenure, um, the brasserie was not part of their operation. All they did was the grill in the pool or the grill room in the pool room. Um, but now the three restaurants are back together under one operator, one set of operators, which is Major Food Group. And and, uh,
3: and when when will you guys open? And we're
4: going to open that in October, mid October is the is the plan. Well, each of these places have yeah. different wine lists, or students, but- it, it it's all the same wine list. Oh, they okay. each have different wines by the glass. Um, but uh, but uh, the same wine list. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I you know I've been meaning
3: to ask you. Uh, I know that Rich and Mario uh, and the, the group really just did a ton of research in yeah. into the space to the food that was was served there, and, yeah. and maybe I think also what was served in general in in great restaurants at that yes. time. Was there a, a similar approach to the uh, the wine
4: list and the cocktails? Um, cocktails, yes. Um, wine list, um, I, I didn't... Um, I had a glance at the Four Seasons wine list and, quick, and like? quickly stopped glancing at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, more to the point, I was, um, you know, I, I learned a little bit about what the, what the cuisines were going to be in the two restaurants and um, thought about what wines would be appropriate. I mean, basically, in my experience, uh, probably yours and everyone else's, People drink what they want to drink, and then there's a, a percentage of diners who um, care about, uh, you know, attempting at least to properly match wine and food and um, and like that. So um, for the grill, because it's a chop house and um, and we serve a lot of red meat and, and uh, heavier weight food, um, I wanted to have, you know, great representation from Napa Valley, from Bordeaux, from... Southern Rhone, from Northern Rhone, from um, you know Tuscany, uh, from Piedmont, and, and like they have have a lot of big reds, but a lot of Brunello di Montalcino. Um, but knowing that down the road we were going to open the pool, which is, um, uh, you know, raw and cured fish and, and grilled whole fish, and um, we have a little bit of we, we offer some meat dishes, three maybe mm. three meat, di- meat dishes, but but it's it's largely a seafood restaurant. Um, I wanted to have a lot of champagne and a lot of chablis and, and merlot and, and and coastal Italian whites and uh, you know briny coastal Mediterranean whites from all countries and islands. Um, so I I bought uh, I held off on the on the coastal Italian stuff until closer to the to when the pool opened, but um, but I was picking out wines based on those two respective cuisines. And then just generally focusing on, you know, it, it's a big enough program and it's the kind of place where people drink what they want to drink. Mm-hmm. So i um, not really I, I haven't worked that much in this part of Manhattan. Um, and so uh, I made some guesses about what should be on the list and started and I'm still in the process of, of, of figuring it out 2017 is about getting the places open, getting the place up and running and and seeing what people ask for. You know, are are there is there a lot of demand for uh, Australian wine? Mm -hmm. I I don't want to buy Australian wine until there's I see if there's a demand or not for that. So I'm in the process of discovering what people want to drink. Yeah. Uh um, but I knew that there were certain things I, I, I should have, which is the ones which which I know that I you listed.
3: favor old yeah. world wine. Oh for have, sure. Have
4: definitely. you uh definitely.
3: in the in the spirit of the four seasons yeah. being something more about American cuisine, have you also added some more American wines that you would maybe you would normally put on, on your own wine list? Uh, uh for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh where where do you go to when finding American wines to, to well,
4: drink? Um, or, or to list, I guess. I mean I have I have a pretty big selection of um, Cabernets and Cabernet blends from from California, mainly Napa, but um, other places. I have a pretty big selection of of, uh, Pinot Noirs from all over California and Oregon, and I have a pretty big selection of California Chardonnays. Mm -hmm. Um, At some point, I want to get to maybe having something like a new California section, um, just to highlight, you know. Um, something new that's happening. That, that again, this is something that this is something that's come up while I've been out of the game a little bit. So I, I'm a little bit unfamiliar with these things. So it will be a way for me to learn about about uh, sort of new California style of wine. Um, but I think it would also make for something more interesting than just a long list of California Chardonnays. Um, same with Australia. There's a, there's a whole new movement of winemaking in cal in, in australia that i i i sort of missed because i wasn't mm-hmm. in the game while, while it was happening and yeah so
3: you have so you have some really special wines on this is there something that you've opened that you're like that you were really excited about mm-hmm. uh that maybe you haven't tasted in a long time or ever before
4: uh do you still get really excited about yeah, uh, completely yeah yeah um you know i i uh i um I get really excited about, uh, for reds, red burgundy, Northern Rhone and, and, uh, Barolo and Barbareth Nebbiolo, the three grapes, which I think are the greatest Pinot Noir and Syrah and Nebbiolo. Um, so, you know, I, there's a lot of tasting to do in those regions, mm-hmm. obviously, but, uh, um, Mark Sorel, the Hermitage producer, you know, you know, uh, haven't had the wines that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just opened up uh, and served a bottle of uh, 2001 Hermitage Grey Owl. And it was great. Wow. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I, you know, it was, uh, I, I, I couldn't, it had been a while since I tasted it, so I couldn't quite remember what it was like. But um, uh, I thought it was fantastic, super exciting when, when I, you know, do that. And um, of all things, uh, a 2006 Muscadet. Day. Uh, which I thought was really? amazing. Um, I think it's Domaine Oatborg from, uh, <laughs> I think I pick it up from Polliner. Uh, and that's current
3: release? Current that, release, That's yeah. another one sometimes you could find, like, yeah. yeah, some, yeah. Some, some older... Uh, and you guys have an extraordinary amount of Chateau Yichem. And it, yeah. it's displayed, yeah, yeah. like, super yeah, yeah, yeah. beautifully and yeah. it's like
4: a arti- yeah. very artistic uh backlit sort of way yeah well, we we had this wine room just off of the pool in the hallway at the end of the hallway on the way to the pool just before you enter the pool dining room and uh in you know the process of thinking about what to do with it because it's it's not just a wine room it's it's a display it's there's a there's a glass wall um, off of the hallway that you, you can look into it as you pass by so it couldn't just be like some dirty, dusty like wine storage. So I just, in thinking about it, um, uh, we, you know, there's there's a restaurant in Europe. I, I forget off the top of my head which one it is, but um, that they, they they have this echem display and it's gorgeous. All the different hues of orange and gold and yellow. It's so and, beautiful. And, and so yeah. we um, we decided to to recreate that uh, with that. And so we, you know, figured out how to backlight it and, and put, um, you know, a kind of filter that accentuates the different That's hues. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. And what, what's good.
3: the oldest vintage you guys have? Like early 19th century we stuff? We have
4: right? an 1811. What?
3: Yeah. What's the oldest you've sold since you guys have been open? Right.
4: um 61. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we haven't gone back past 61. But we, we have multiple vintages from the 19th century. It's incredible. Um, we have wines from the twentieth century from the teens, the the the, the, the knots, the teens, the twenties, thirties, forties. Actually the very cool it's very cool we have a bottle of nineteen eleven, a bottle of eighteen eleven, and we have some two thousand and eleven. No. So my goal is to sell it to the find same the right table. table that will have, you know, Two, two centuries. Will you, like, buy their dinner for them if they get them,
3: <laughs> those three? <laughs> I'll buy their dinner, yeah. Not you personally, yeah. but... The, I the,
4: might do it personally.
3: <laughs> I mean, that would be incredible. Yeah. No, I
4: think that would be very cool. You know, so... Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, John Silver, it has been such a pleasure to have you on In The Drink. Thank you. Um, it's been
4: a pleasure for me, too.
3: Uh, and maybe you, dear listener, could be the person who goes in and makes John's Night by yeah. buying the three <laughs> vintages uh, uh, each, you know, 100 years apart uh, yeah. at, at the grill. Right. Either If you do that or just even, like, go in for an extraordinary martini at the bar yeah. and you'll feel just, like, super glamorous. Like Yeah, it's a great place. It's just a great place. Congratulations Thank on, on the three Thank stars. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's more good things coming yeah. with, with the, the pool and, uh, and the lobster club downstairs. Great.
4: And congrats to you about uh, the upcoming Fausto.
3: Thank you so Uh, much. Can't wait.
4: Can't wait for that. Thank
3: you. Yeah, can't wait to have have everyone in. Uh, I want to thank Dave Tadishore, who puts the show together every week. You're the man, Dave. Everyone at Heritage Radio Network. And, of course, to you guys for listening. Thanks so much. This has been In the Drink.